talk about the battle inside today. You know, it's, um, it's interesting, the world we live in, most people know they're in a battle, but a lot of times people don't understand the battle that they're in. They don't understand how to combat in the battle, how to break through. It's been a theme this morning is breakthrough, breakthrough, breakthrough. Tell you what, that's a God thing, breakthrough. You know, I always liked the, the picture of that, uh, I don't even know what it was. It was like a story I heard when I was a kid about the little kid that stuck his finger in the, the, the dam and, and held back, you know, because there was a leak. Does anybody ever, did anybody ever read that story when you were a kid? You know, and, and what I like to think about is that God's power, I know this is, in that story, it probably was a destruction thing, but it's like in my mind, I think about God's power looking for any way to break through and get on my life. Sometimes you got to take things and you got to make them fit your theology, you know, make them line up with the word. See, God is always trying to break through in our lives. He's not trying to keep things from us. He's trying to get them to us. So... I've, I've, got, I've got a path. I'm going to see how it goes. But, you know, I'm going to jump in, and we'll talk about some of these things this morning. To start with, I want to just begin with a classic scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23. And, and uh, Paul was writing here. He says, uh, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord. I know that something that's helped me over the years is to have a clear definition of who I am as a person. As a person. Just as, you know, I'll say it this way, just even as a human being on planet Earth. I came up in prayer this morning. Someone said, it's good to be, or it's, you know, thanks for being human. And, and it's like, yeah, we're human beings. But what is that? Well, the truth is, as a human being, you're, you're a complex individual. You've got facets to you that are created and designed by God. And it'll help us to understand this. But the real you is the person on the inside. The real you is a spirit. Paul, in this, this, you know, closing of a letter, he says, I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body. You see, man, mankind, you know, I, I don't want to leave out women, man and women, you know, we're made in the image of God. And the real you is the person on the inside. You know, I don't know, I, I, I had glimpses maybe before I was saved but frankly, before I was saved, most of the attention I gave was to my body. I don't know if anybody else was like that or not. You know, if I had some impulse, you know, in my flesh, I'm telling you what, I followed it, you know? And, and, and that was how I lived. And, and, and I thought that way. My mind was fixed that way. My mind was fixed like, like the world thinks. But then I remember I got born again back in the day. And there was, like, like, the real me was standing up on the inside. You see, you're a spirit. 
Can you, can you handle that this morning? That's what the Bible says is you're a spirit. You know, when, when God made Adam in the beginning, he, it says he formed him out of the dust of the ground. But when he formed this man out of the dust of the ground, he, all he was was dirt. Until God breathed into him the breath of life. You see, the real you is the man on the inside. You take that spirit away, and all that's left is dirt, okay? It goes back to dirt. Oh, this is really edifying, Pastor. I tell you what, my, it'll help you to know this. So he says, I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Now, the body is pretty easy to figure out because we all know our bodies. I mean, you get born and, you know, uh, you know a baby, you know, is aware of their body. You know, they, they, they let you know they're aware of their physical existence, their body. You know, the body, I like to term it like this way. It's, it's the house you live in. Now, in no way in what I'm explaining this morning am I telling you that your body is not important. Do you hear me out there? You know, don't go messing with your body or thinking it doesn't matter. You know, Paul gives instructions in other places in the Bible that, that you, know, he, you know, you take care of your body. You know, um, if you don't take care of your body and you lose your body, you'll lose your place in this earth. And, you know, that's not, you know, bad. You're going to go to heaven, you know. But you know what? You shouldn't go there until you're, it's time. Can you handle that? We need you here. We need you to run your race. We need you to finish your course. Me too. So your body is, is like your earth suit. You know, when I was a kid, I was alive back in 69. What a year. And I remember men went to the moon. I know there's controversy out there. There's controversy about everything. Well, anyway, I remember watching Neil Armstrong get out of, wasn't it Neil Armstrong? I get his name. Anyway, anyway, it was some guy jumped out of, huh? Buzz Lightyear. I like that. <laughs> These guys got out of the, uh, the, the spaceship and they walked around on, on Earth and, and, uh, or on the moon, I mean. And, and, you know, the thing about it is they had to have that space suit on. If they didn't have that space suit on, you know what would happen? They wouldn't exist on the moon anymore. And if you don't have your Earth suit, you won't be here on planet Earth. I'm not saying you won't be anywhere. You'll be in heaven. I know this group, okay? And that's, again, that's not a bad thing. But I'm telling you, run your race. Finish your course. Now, also addressed here in the scripture is, is something he calls the soul. And I, I, you know, there's a lot of people that, you know, there's been confusion, probably in, in this area more than any. Usually the spirit is pretty easy, you know. You got this thing, life inside you when you get born again. You become aware, you know, someone's on the inside of me. There's nothing weird about that, okay? Don't go some weird place. And, you know, we know our body. But our soul, what, what is our soul? And can I just give you this definition? It's your soul is your mind, your will, and emotions, Okay? It's your mind, your will, and emotions. And again, just like I said about the body, I'll say this about the soul. Your soul is important. Your soul is an eternal part of you, okay? And, and I like to think of it this way, too, is your soul 
we could say this is, is, is what gives you personality. Your personality is part of your soul. Your soul is what makes you interesting. I'm so glad we're not all a bunch of cookie cutters, you know, and, and everybody's the same. We're just a bunch of robots, you know. Don't robots, does their arms go like this? They did on Lost in Space, you know. Will Robinson and the robot, his arm would go like that in any way. Um, but but uh, God didn't make you a robot. He made you a spirit being that had a soul with personality that makes you you. You know, we're uniquely crafted and, and, and made by God. And, and, and we need your personality. We need your personality, and, and you do. You know, it's, it's express yourself. That, I mean, God has spoke that to me so many times, is just be yourself. Be yourself. I remember one time we had a service. This was in when we were in Minneapolis. We were actually in Minnetonka. The church we were with in Minneapolis, we started in Minnetonka in a leased building, and then we bought a building in Hopkins. But uh, we were back in this, this little building in Minnetonka. I think we, the, if we packed it, you know, we had 80 people or something. And, and, and uh, I remember we had like a real move of God, this service, you know. It was just like, you know how I mean, you know, the hairs on your arm are standing up, and you're like, wow, buzz, there's like, God's here. And, and the pastor's wife was going to preach that night. And, you know, she's a pretty bold woman. Anybody that knows her would agree with me. Uh, we've, had, we've had her in way back in the day. She doesn't live around here anymore. But, but uh, I was in the hall with her before she went in, and it was, it was such a move of God that she was nervous to get out and preach. She's like, she, she looked at me, and she literally said this. She said, Paul, what do I do? And I looked back at her. I said, just go out and be you. You know, that's a spiritual thing to do. Be who God made you. Be you. Your voice needs to be heard. Not your echo, your voice. Who you are. <sighs> yeah. So, you know, your soul is important as well. Let me give you a few other scriptures, and then we'll keep moving. But First uh, Peter 3, Peter said it like this, you know, talking about man. And in verse 3, he says, don't let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing of gold, and putting on a fine apparel. But rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. The incorruptible beauty of a gentle, quiet spirit is very precious in the sight of God. Now, he wasn't telling us to just, you know, let ourselves go. doesn't matter how you look, you know. Don't brush your teeth. It doesn't really matter. That's not what Peter was saying. But he was saying is that, you see, most of us, you know, me included, we, we can tend to take time with how this thing looks, and there could be a temptation to ignore the person on the inside. And you see, the person on the inside is the real you. And really, our whole walk as a Christian could be summed up like this, is finding out how to let the man on the inside loose. Okay? Letting that man on the inside loose. You see, because that isn't how I was raised before I was a Christian. Good night. Let the man on the inside loose? That would have been dangerous. We're trying to keep him contained, okay? You know, but but uh, uh, I, I, hopefully it'll make more sense as we go along here. But let me read this one as well. So Peter, in talking about the spirit of man, he called him the hidden person of the heart. 
There's, a, there's, a, there's some definition in that. I like it. The hidden person of the heart. Second um, Corinthians 4.16, then Paul said this about it. He said, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Well, what a negative confession, Paul. Hey, it's just real. This body, you know, God's original plan was this body, you know, we'd, we'd live forever, okay, on the earth. That we would be fruitful and replenish this earth and make it, you know, what God intended. But you know the whole story, you know, things went wrong in the garden and, 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 and mankind as a whole fell in the garden, okay? And these bodies are, are, are subject to the fall of man, okay? And I don't care how spiritual you are. I've had people come up to me. Believe me, I've had this happen. People have come up to me before and said, I've got a new revelation. I'm going to live forever. And I just look at them. I say, well, let's see how that works. None of them have had it pan out. These bodies are going to die. And again, for a Christian, that's not a, a, a failure. There's a victory in it. You know, we miss people when they leave, but, but we know where they are, and that gives us hope. Okay? They didn't cease to exist. So Paul says, we do not lose, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. The inward man. There's a man on the inside of you. There's a person on the inside of you. The real you is on the inside of you. And that person isn't getting older. It's getting recharged, renewed day by day. And I will say this too, the more you let him out, he'll affect your outer man too. I'm not saying that we should get old and feeble and not, I mean, God bless, you know, Betty Pittman. She was 90 years old. We had a baptism here in the church, had a pool right, in, right down middle aisle. And I'll tell you what, from experience, it was a freezing cold pool. <laughs> Betty who had been baptized before. She told me later God had dealt with her about a month. I'm getting baptized. That woman in her 90s jumped out of her pew, ran down here, hurtled over the top of the thing. My eyes are bugging out going, whoa, Betty. Jumped in the pool. Got baptized. Oh, is that scriptural? Do you get baptized? There's nothing unscriptural about that. She was obeying God. And if anybody was here, you know this, it like cut loose a, a, a wave of the, the, the glory when she did that. I'm telling you what, your body can be affected by the person on the inside of you. All right. James 121. I've got a place I'm going here today. James 1.21 says, Therefore lay aside filthiness, all filthiness, and overflow of wickedness. See, now, if I was reading the old King James, which was probably, I like that verse here. It says, superfluity of naughtiness. That always gets me. I don't know. Put that stuff away. And receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. All right, talking about the battle within, I'll just touch on it for a moment as we will go further. But the battle that we fight is humans on this earth. I know there's a spiritual battle, but I'm telling you what, the battle that I fight every day 
is what goes on between my ears. Okay? If I can get this battle straight, it'll affect every other battle that, I, uh, that I'm in. You hear me? I don't care how spiritual you are. I don't care how long you pray. I don't care how long you pray in tongues. I pray in tongues every day. A lot. I'll be sitting there watching TV praying in tongues. Can you do that, Pat? Yeah, you can do that. Watching the football game last Sunday. I don't even watch much football, but Stephen and I turned on the Packers just because we knew the Lunas and the Jaspers were there, and we said, we're going to see if they show up on the big screen. <laughs> if, you, if you did, we missed it, but I sit there and pray in tongues while the whole thing's going on. They thought I was cheering. I was saying, Shundai, Shundai. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't care how spiritual you are, as long as you're here on this earth, you'll fight the battle of your mind. The most spiritual people you and I know have thoughts that come in that aren't of God, okay? And just because you have a thought come into your mind that isn't of God, it doesn't even mean you've sinned. Everybody has it. It's what you do with those thoughts that make a difference. So James here, you know, again, you know, you get born again. I, I remember, you know, having the life of God in me. I was like, like, wow, God's real, you know, all this stuff. But, you know, then the battle is get my head thinking like my heart. Get my head renewed so that it starts functioning, you know, and thinking like heaven does, of like what's on the inside of me. And, and it's not a one-time thing. You see, your mind doesn't stay renewed any more than your hair stays combed, unless you're me. I've got a style that stays combed all the time now. I used to live in Tulsa. I'll tell you one thing about Tulsa, they got wind. And if anybody was selling hairspray, they ought to make a, a mint if they sell it in Tulsa. Because, you know, you'd walk, out, you'd walk out the door, and I don't spend much time combing my hair anyway, ever, but, but I'll tell you, if I did, it would be all done by the time you walk out the door. Your mind doesn't stay renewed any more than your hair stays combed. It's constantly needing to be told what to think. Now your mind, again, don't go in some weird place. What do you mean weird places? See, I've been born again for 40 plus years. I've seen all of us go weird places, not here. None of you guys ever get weird. But, but I've gotten weird. You know? Uh, I, don't, I could just cut my head off. I'd be more spiritual. No, you'd be dead and you'd be in heaven. God made you a spirit soul, and body. You need your soul. You need your mind. But you need to do something with it. You need to make it subject to what God thinks. So James here, he said, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. I, I like to tell you meekness, a way that meekness could be described is like the doorstop 
You know, that, that, the, the doorstop on the will of your mind that lets things in that you don't think you need. See, one of the biggest dangers you and I can fall in in this whole thing is getting to this place where we don't think we need certain things when the truth is we need them. This morning, we're looking for something in our kitchen. See, we're going we're gonna to be gone. We're going to be in Portland. We're leaving on Tuesday for, uh, we'll be gone for a little bit. You'll be all right, though. You're in good hands. But, but uh, we had some, somebody's going to stay at our house because we have this cat that just can't make it for an extended length of time without a human being there. And so we have somebody staying at our house. And so Dana was saying to me, she says, Paul, we should get the instructions for the air fryer and for the, you know, the, 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 the couple appliances. And I said, yeah. I said, that's probably a good thing. I'll, probably just, I'll just probably Google them and, and look them up. She goes, well, don't we have the... The, the books, and I said, oh, I probably threw it, you know, and, and, and I had in my mind, if it was anywhere, it would be in the bottom of the mail pile. Does anybody have a mail pile in their house? Aren't those things a nuisance? I'll tell you. Anyway, I, I thought it was there, and Dana, Dana says to me, this is just an example this morning, so I, I, she says to me, she says, Paul, I think you should look in the cupboard above the microwave. The cupboard above, this is what I'm thinking inside. On the outside, this is me. And the inside, I'm going, no way, no way. I, I, like, there is no way it's up there above the microwave. There's a couple recipe books up there. I would never put that up there. This is what I'm, my inward conversation is going. You see, I can get in trouble because I think I know something that I don't. And I'm not willing to receive something that I don't think I need. But I just said, okay. All right, let's look. So I, and wouldn't you suppose, it's where I was. Stay meek. Meekness opens the door and lets things in that you and I need. And James said, if we'll do this, this is the kind of stuff that can save your soul. Now remember, James, this is just Bible Interpretation 101. James was talking to the church when he said that. He said, folks, believers, body of Christ, you need to get your soul saved. That didn't mean they needed to accept Christ and be born again. It meant they were born again, but they had to get their soul thinking like their inner man. Ephesians 4.23. Is this okay to talk about this morning? I might have to hurry because I've got some places I really want to get to. Let me read this. Ephesians 4.23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Jerusalem Bible says your mind must be renewed by a spiritual revolution. That so describes it. You see, your mind was, was headquarters. Again, it isn't let that you throw your mind out. You just reprogram it. You renew it, the Bible says. So, you know, your mind was headquarters. It was the government you lived by. But all of a sudden you get born again and there's a new boss inside. And he needs to rise up. He calls the shots. Isaiah 55, 6 through 9, it says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he'll have mercy on him. To our God, for he'll be abundantly pardoned. 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see, this is what he's talking about here, is true biblical repentance. People make repentance to be some emotional outburst that they'll have at the altar. And again, I, that, that, I shouldn't even say that because it could be taken the wrong way. But again, I've, I've been Christian for 40, 45 years. And I've just seen things where I've missed it. And I've seen things. There's true things that happen at the altar. There's spiritual transformation that happens at the altar. But simply repenting, do you know what it means? It means to change your mind. It means to start taking on God thoughts. To start thinking about situations, about life, about myself, about my neighbor, about my wife, about my family, the way God thinks. You have that power to do that. You can think about anything you want. If I said right now, think about purple elephants, you could start thinking about purple elephants. Your mind is so awesome. You can choose what you think about. Now, if I say stop thinking about purple elephants, that's more of a chore. Unless I say, well, now we're going to think about green gorillas. See, I can replace what I'm thinking about. Oh, this is so deep. <laughs> but there's something about it. You just can't quit thinking things that are wrong. You've got to start thinking the right things. Are you hearing me? It's, a, it's, a, it's futile to sit here. In fact, it gets fleshy to try to stop thinking wrong thoughts. The way to do it is to replace them and think what God says about it. See, this isn't rocket scientists. It, uh, uh, science. It's God science. It's like, how does God see this situation that I'm in? What does the Bible say about it? This is how I'm going to think. This is how I'm going to, uh, this is the song that's going to re repeat in my head. Dana's great at repeating Spotify songs. She'll play them for eight hours straight at our house. There's one that'll just hit her right, and it's like every day is a new one, but then she'll just let it roll on repeat. I think Kiara does that too, I don't know. But anyway, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. How are you going to do that? Getting your head straight. That's what brings transformation in your life. Philip's Bible says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Is that what the world tries to do? It tries to squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your minds from within. The Weist Bible, uh, these are two, my two favorites on this. Uh, uh, it says, uh, stop assuming an outward expression that doesn't come from within you. That's not representative of who you are in your inner being, but is patterned after this age. Change your outward expression to one that comes from within as representative of your of your inner being and by the renewing of your mind. That's what renewing the mind is. Letting the man on the inside have, you know, dominance in your life. 
And, and it's, again, it's not a one-time thing. It's an everyday thing. It's an every-minute thing, okay? I, I know this also from experiences that, that here's an example. I'll get a report, you know, maybe a family member or something is, 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 is injured or going through something. Maybe someone here in the church has something. And my mind will want to run wild, okay? My mind wants to take on cares, my mind wants to take on things that really it doesn't have the authority to take on. So what do you do? Well, this is what, what I, I, put in, I purpose to do. I try to practice this. Is I spend enough time with God in that moment that I step over where I'm aware of him. Okay? People have different ways of doing that. Sometimes it is by putting on worship. Sometimes it is by reading the word. Sometimes it's by just flat out yelling, calling on God, saying, Lord, help. But here's the key is, is you need to do this long enough that you step over and that you stay in that place. Is that okay? Practical. So again, in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, it says we walk in the flesh but we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Can I tell you something? I'm not perfect at this. I don't know anybody who's perfect at it. But you know what? This is my goal. This is what I strive to do. See, I think sometimes people hear things like this and they go, I could never do that. Start where you're at. You know, when you start recognizing thoughts that, that are not coming from what you know of God, ask God for help. Find the right thought and start thinking it. I mean, this sounds like so simple, but until you try to start doing it, then it's a whole game. But anyway, Ephesians 4, verse 17, it says, uh, I'll start there. It says, this I say, and therefore testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. All right, so the whole world is walking to a certain beat, Okay. And, and I, I tell you, that beat, you know, that, that's going on in the world is not the God beat, okay? All right? You can't pattern your life by what you see out there. And what Paul's telling Christians here is, is, again, he's saying the same thing over again. He says, get your head renewed. Get your head on straight. He's not telling you to, to ignore your head. He's telling you to do something with your head. Because if you can get your head on straight, it allows that person on the inside to be dominant in your life. Um, he says this. I had a version of this. I just like it. It's colorful. It's the Jordan translation. Greg, you're here. It's cotton patch, okay? He likes that one. It says, uh, quit living like the rest of society who live in the utter emptiness of their intellects with their shades, shades, the shades of their mind pulled down, complete foreigners to the God way, God's way of life. So, I mean, that's it's interesting. Um, but uh, you can't live like the world. 
you know? I thought such crazy things before I was a Christian, you know? I, I, I thought, you know, Martians were real and all kinds of things, you know? I mean, you probably didn't, weren't that far gone, but I, I had crazy thoughts. I, I yielded to my flesh all the time, you know? I mean, I smoked pot every day. That was what I yielded to every day, you know? And, and other things for years. And I get born again, and there's like new life in me. And my head had programmed a certain way, and I had to go, oh, that's not the way I live. I don't live that way now. I've got a new boss in, on the inside of me. There's a man on the inside of me that's created, you know, in Christ. He's a new creature. This is who I am now. People got such crazy identities in the world today. You need to let the Bible show you your identity. Your identity isn't based on things out here. It isn't based on what you do. It's based on who you are and what the Bible says you are. Can I say that in church? This is the truth, folks. People are confused. Going down wrong trails. And I was there too. The whole world was like that. Paul says, folks, you're believers, you're Christians, you're new creations in Christ Jesus. Don't let your head go somewhere that you're not. Verse 18, it goes on, it says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their heart who are past feeling, giving themselves over to lewdness and all kinds of uncleanness with greediness. Yow. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you've heard, if you've heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off, put off the former conduct. Put it off. Put off the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you'd put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. You want to live right? You want to walk right? Start by thinking right. Start thinking in line with who you are according to the Bible. You out there today? I'm going to just go to Numbers 13. You see, how you think will affect how you live. And if you get into wrong thinking, it can keep you out of that flow that God is trying to get in your life. Remember we talked about how there's breakthrough and that God is like looking for ways to pour himself out on you? Wrong thinking can stop that flow. That's how, how, how important it is that we get our heads on right. So in Numbers 13... 27, it says, and they told him and said, we, we went to the land, okay, the children of Israel are the people of Israel, the, the people of God, you know, that, that uh, had the covenant with God. They'd been wandering in the wilderness, and they, they, were, they were coming to this place called the promised land. It said it would flow with milk and honey. You know, it's kind of like, you know, when you're in Minnesota, and you cross over the river, and all of a sudden the hills are there. The promised land is here. Anyway, I'm just, sorry. 
Um, but but there, there was this land that God had called them to. It was, it was called the promised land. It was a place that they were journeying to. They'd come out of a place of bondage, and they were going to a promise that God had for them. This, this place of, of, of abundance. They got up to the edge of it, and they sent in some spies to check out the land. It was their strategy. And, and it says they told them and said, we went to the land where the spies came back, where you sent us, and, and truly it does flow with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Verse 28. There's a big word here. It says, nevertheless. Now, nevertheless isn't always a bad word, but if you're questioning God's will, his faithfulness in your life, then nevertheless might not be the right word for you. They said, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified, very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites, yeah, it's a, anyway, dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the, the, the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once and take possession. For all well able to, we're, we are well able to overcome it. So here's Caleb's voice. Let's go up at once and possess it and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. What did Caleb mean? Did it mean that he'd been exercised and he felt fit and ready for the task? What he knew was God was on his side. God was on his side. He says, the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against these people for they're stronger than us. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report, an evil report of the land which they had spied out. Was it a wrong report? From the natural, it wasn't. Were there giants in the land? Yeah, there were giants in the land. Was there a lot of opposition? Yeah, there was a lot of opposition. But the thing that they left out of the equation is God called them there. God told them to go here. God told them it was theirs. And they left that part out and they got consumed with the circumstances. Are you out there today? It says, the land through which we've gone is spies as a land that devours its inhabitants. And the people who we saw in it were men of great stature. We saw giants, descendants of Annex that came from the giants. And here's the part two. It says, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Let me just present this to you, that it was not the giants that defeated the people that day. It was their perception of the giants and their perception of themselves and their perception of God. They were worried about what the other people thought. Has that, has that ever been a trap for anybody? What are other people going to think? They're caught up in wrong thinking and belittling God. They're magnifying the giant and belittling God and what he'd said to them. So the majority of the people went with the two spies or with the uh, ten spies, and, and Caleb and, and, and Joshua were the only two. I know you guys know this story, but they, they, they lived through it all, and they came back, and they eventually went in and conquered. And they were, they were older, but they still went in and conquered. You know what? It isn't too old. You aren't too old to conquer what God has given to you. 
James 1.21, I'm closing with this. It says, Therefore, again, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. And be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. You see, if all you ever do is hear and hear and hear, hear. Did you hear that one? Oh, man, did you hear that one? You'll get into a place of deception. That's never the plan of God that you just hear and hear and hear and hear and hear. Nothing wrong with hearing, but there's something else you need to do. You need to be a doer. It's hearing and doing that will bring you health. It's hearing and doing that will renew your mind and put you in the place that God it says, if anyone's a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his face, natural face in a mirror. He observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues it in is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he, de what he does. Again, it's our, our mind will and emotions that need saving, that need to be brought into subjection to the word and to who we really are. And the way that James shows us to do this is by being a hearer, by receiving the word, and by doing it. It's not some deep revelation. What's God showing you? What's he speaking to your life? Well, he's not spoken anything. Well, read the Bible. Oh, I want to I hear it loud. Read the Amplified Bible. I want an audible voice. Read it out loud. The Word has power to change you from the inside out. The world's way is pressure from the outside. God's way is to build you up on the inside.